why do we want to go to heaven? What makes heaven heaven? What makes heaven a wonderful, awesome place is the fact that God's will is done there perfectly. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. The overflowing love and goodness of God is the fundamental reason why the universe exists. Richard Sibbs writes that God delights to spread his beams and his influence in inferior things, to make all things fruitful. Such a goodness is in God as is in a fountain or in the breast that loves to ease itself of milk. Every disciple of Jesus Christ carries the spiritual DNA within them. As we're born of the Spirit and grow into mature sons, our desires begin to align with the Lord's. Jesus said, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. To be joined to the Lord is to participate in the divine community and allow the desire that he has to fill the creation with his goodness consume us. The good news preached by Jesus was the closeness of God's ruling presence. In Mark 1, 14, 15, it says, After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Or the kingdom of God has come near. God's spreading goodness arrives through his wonderful reign. Yahweh reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad, it says in Psalm 97.1. His rule arrives to bring an end to all others and to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. All of creation marred by sin and the power of the evil one is liberated from the crippling effects of sin and satanic oppression by God's Son first and then by his many sons. Righteousness firmly established in heaven is progressively established on the earth through the reign of God's Christ. From his throne flows a kingdom that will never cease to increase. Christ's mission to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of the devil has not changed, but is now filled through his ecclesia, through his church. Even at this very moment, God's Christ is seated in heaven, waiting until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Isaiah writes, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Administrating God's rule on the earth from a place of loving connectedness with our head and empowered by God's Spirit is the activity of Christ's body. Sent by Jesus, as Jesus was sent by the Father, the Spirit-empowered church learns to walk as Jesus did, only doing what she sees the Father doing. Through the ministry of the ecclesia, God's eternal reign expands as individual hearts are transformed by his ruling presence, immersed in his name and trained as apprentices of his Christ. The same missionary zeal of one of God's first apostles resounds today with the same clarity and urgency. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
and how are they to preach unless they are sent? These are some of the thoughts that are the basis for a doctoral thesis that I'm working on uh, that's about Chinese missionaries being sent out of China, being sent all over the world. And just recently, this past week, I had the opportunity to share at a Bible study with uh, my son and just a few other fathers and their sons, all about uh, 12, 13, 14-year-old boys and uh, just a few fathers, a few sons. And in my sharing with them, I was talking about laying the foundation for completing our royal quest. And as I shared with them, I talked about something that Peter Ford talks about in his book, Transforming Church, that he borrowed from J.R.R. Tolkien in the Lord of the Rings series. And it's a conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo. And Gandalf is explaining to Bilbo the difference between an adventure or a quest. And he tells uh, Bilbo that an adventure is a matter of choice. It's undertaken primarily as a means to relieve boredom or satisfy a specific lust. One goes and returns, essentially unchanged by the experience. A quest, he says, on the other hand, is primarily a response to a compelling call. This kind of journey is risky, uncomfortable, and sometimes simply dreadful, but it is also full of unexpected joy. And so I asked them, is God sending us on an adventure or a quest? Is it a mission or a vacation? Is it just for entertainment, or is there something more purposeful about it? And the answer is that God is giving us a mission. God is giving us a quest. God is giving us an invitation to participate in his eternal purpose, which is to unite everything in heaven with everything on earth through his son, Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 1.10. And so I was telling these young men that God is giving us this mission, but we need to understand some foundational concepts about our world and about our mission. We need to lay a foundation to complete our royal quest. Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Uh, another translation says, Zeal without knowledge is not good. It's not good to be zealous without having understanding. We see that in the lives of um, Islamic terrorists, for example, who are very zealous, but they don't have the true knowledge of what God is like, and so they commit these horrible atrocities. In, in, in their minds, they're doing it to serve God. And so before we become zealous for a cause, we need to have understanding. We need to have some understanding about the kingdom of God, or as Matthew calls it, the kingdom of heaven. Now, when I was growing up, the my, my understanding, I don't know if it was taught to me or if I just was too dense to get what people were saying. But every time people were talking about the kingdom of heaven, that was equated with actually heaven itself. And so it's a fundamental thing that we need to understand is that the kingdom of heaven is not heaven itself. It's like the the kingdom of England, when it expanded all over the world, may have included uh, parts of India and China and Australia and Canada, uh, the North America. But uh, the government, the seat of the government was still in England, was still in London. Likewise, heaven's government, the throne of God is in heaven. Heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. That's where the, the government is resourced out of. 
But it doesn't stop there. His reign doesn't stop there. The kingdom of heaven is wherever the king has his dominion. It's wherever God's reign is manifested. And Jesus said the good news was that the kingdom of heaven had come near. Now, why would that be good news? Well, who wants to go to heaven? I think everybody, if you ask most people on the street, do you want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Well, why do we want to go to heaven? What makes heaven heaven? What makes heaven a wonderful, awesome place is the fact that God's will is done there perfectly. So God's will is done perfectly on heaven. Remember, Jesus Jesus taught us to pray, uh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will is done perfectly in heaven, and that is what makes heaven heaven. That's why we should all want to go there. But Jesus said the good news is that the same authority that runs heaven can run our lives right now. And so God's mission is to fill the earth with his goodness. It's to let the same authority that makes heaven heaven govern the earth and make earth according to the pattern of heaven, according to the pattern of the new man, Jesus Christ. And that was the original commission that Adam and Eve were given in the garden in Genesis 1-1, or in Genesis chapter 1, where God gives them dominion. They're created in God's image, and he gives them dominion over the earth. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. God has given the earth to mankind, and the original plan was for mankind to exercise dominion over creation in union with God, with God telling them how to express their dominion. God's dominion is always tied to his love, but the tragedy was that humankind rebelled against God, and so their dominion became detached from God's love. It became uh, autonomous, and power detached from love is uh, is what destroys the world. All the sin and all the brokenness and all the corruption we see in the world was because people were exercising power without love. And so mankind chose to be independent, chose to sin, chose to rebel against God, and that's what brought all the brokenness into the world. And Jesus, praise the Lord, even though we had rebelled against God, God sent his son Jesus to restore us, to rescue us, to deliver us from this present evil age, to deliver us out from the dominion of darkness, from the power of Satan, and to transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the kingdom of light, like Colossians chapter 1 talks about. And so when we believe in Christ, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. So we know that our flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1550 says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We have to be born again. We have to get this new life from Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us a new life when we put our faith in him. The Bible says that our spirit becomes one with the Lord's spirit, that we're born again, that we're adopted into God's family. And so we get a new life. And then out of that life, we live as royal sons. Romans 8, 17 says that we become co-heirs with Christ. 
and that we inherit what Christ inherits. It says if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so our suffering with him is about resisting sin. It's about uh, not participating in uh, the pleasures of this world like it talks about Moses. Hebrews 11 says that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So, that's part of what sharing in Christ's sufferings means. It also means that, uh, like Paul said, I make up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for your sake. It's for your sake. In other words, Paul was willing to endure hardship so that other people might be able to hear the gospel. And that's also part of sharing in Christ's sufferings. But we enter into the kingdom of God. When we get born again, we become royal sons. And as we mature, mature sons are about their father's business. Remember, that's what Jesus said uh, to Mary and Joseph when they were looking for him. I like how the Young's literal translation uh, translates that. In uh, Luke chapter 2, in verse 49, it says, Did ye not know that in the things of my father it behooveth me to be? So Jesus was consumed by the things of his father. And as we mature as sons, we also become consumed in the things of our heavenly father. Uh, And Jesus said later, as an adult, he said, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. But because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. So uh, as we mature, likewise, as royal sons, we begin to engage with our father. Our lives become consumed with our father's business, and we want to be about the thing that we were created for. The more we align ourselves with the purpose that God made us for, the more that we flourish in our lives. And Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it even more abundantly. God created us for a purpose. God created us to rule and reign and express his dominion in the creation. Miles Monroe has a great sermon, uh, many great sermons on the kingdom of God, but one of the things he frequently talked about was uh, people should not lie and say they don't want power. Everybody should admit that they want power, that you were created for power, that we were all created to express power, not power over one another, not power over the other human beings to use other people, but power over the creation to be able to express loving dominion. And again, the the power of God, as we see in the life of Jesus, is always uh, inextricably connected with love and doing what's best for another person. And so that is the kind of power that we should seek, the power that seeks to, to serve others, the power that allows us to lay our lives down for another person. In fact, even the word meek, in uh, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, that word meek means power under control. It's the, the Greek word for the the picture of a horse that's been tamed, that the horse is still powerful, but now that power is under control. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's those who have learned to walk in the power of God, but have it under control the way Jesus had himself under control and used all of the authority available to him to serve everyone and to save all of humanity. 
So Christ is waiting. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says this, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. And this is our royal quest, is to make the enemies of God a footstool for Christ's feet. And it's it's not through, Paul said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not through uh, physically causing, forcing people to bow down or coercing people to make some kind of confession of orthodoxy. It's through laying down our lives the same way that Jesus laid down his life to the point where our witness and our love becomes undeniable. And so we are called to be the expression of righteousness on the earth. And righteousness is simply the the right way, the righteousness, the God's way of doing things. So if a husband uh, beats his wife and is cruel to his children, that is wickedness, that is wrong. If a husband lays down his life and loves his wife and treats her like Christ treats the church and he loves and he nurtures his children, that is righteousness. That is God's way of doing things. It's the expression of God's good ways in our lives. And Jesus said, if you look for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's ways of doing things, Everything else will take care of itself. And this is what we are called to do. This is the quest that God has given us. And so I uh, would exhort anyone who's listening, just as I exhorted those young men, just as I exhort myself, that where are the places where I can express righteousness, God's way of doing things in my life? Where can I express the goodness and the righteousness of God in my life? And um, let us seek to fulfill the purpose for which we were created to be the express image of God on this planet, expressing the goodness of God, filling the whole earth with God's goodness, with his beauty, with his wonder, and uh, becoming that image of God on the earth, even as Jesus imaged the Father to us. So we now have the honor of being that image to the people around us that everyone would be able to see and know how wonderful Yahweh, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, our wonderful, wonderful triune God, how wonderful it is to belong to him and to serve him. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. We hear your tenderness In every star that glows In every cell that grows It's clear Your excellence God, you're beautiful